0: Yahoo Finance. This is Electionomics. I'm Rick Newman.
1: And I'm Alexis Christophorus. And in this week's podcast, we are taking a closer look at the impeachment process and how it may play into the 2020 election for President Trump.
0: The whole thing pretty much played out, really according to script, if you think about it. So, the House impeached Trump, the Senate declined to convict. Uh, that is basically what everybody said was gonna happen. Uh, there was some drama along the way. Is the Senate gonna call witnesses? Uh, you know, How are three or four Republicans gonna vote? Is there gonna be any break uh, in party unity in support of Trump? But at the end of the day, Trump survives and he goes on as president. So, the real question to me is, hold on.
1: We have an interesting setup here today. Oh my gosh! You have a cutout. You've really upped your game, Rick.
0: Is Trump larger than life?
1: Uh-huh. In this thing, he is. Or is he not? I love you. I thought you were going to go to well. Or to is these he small? Here. Or is
0: he small and uh, trivial? So uh, there, there, there were some interesting poll results uh, that that came out during the impeachment process and the Senate trial. And those, uh, so the most, one of them that we heard a lot was that 75% of all voters, uh, of all parties, felt the Senate should have called witnesses. And the Senate did not call witnesses. And the the central focus there, of course, was John Bolton, the former National Security Advisor. So that suggests that um, most voters feel like uh, the Senate did not do as thorough a job as it could have done or should have done. So will that matter in November? Don't know. Uh, another very interesting finding was that uh, I think in the last poll I saw, I think 47% of voters said Trump should be removed from office. Um, that seems extraordinarily high, just uh, just in general. 48% or so, let's call it the same amount, said Trump should not be removed from office. So, um, And then the but rest didn't But do we know if, those, know
1: if those people were saying that along party lines? Yeah,
0: of course. Of mm-hmm. course they were. But as we've talked about many times, the voters who matter here really are not so much Republicans or Democrats, but people who are in the middle uh, and may not be uh, be sure what to make of all this. Uh, and then one last thing that has come um, just recently is uh, in Gallup's poll of presidential approval. Trump has now hit 49 percent, which is the highest level he's hit in that Gallup poll.
1: Isn't that ironic?
0: I And I don't really know what to make of that. So when you've got Almost half the country thinks Trump should be removed from office, uh, and yet his approval rating hits the highest level of his presidency at roughly the same time. Now, it's not like his approval rating is exploding to 60 or 65 percent, um, but it is a meaningful bump over where he's been. So did he, well, get, maybe- did he get a bump from uh, the impeachment drama? It's possible.
1: Or maybe can we just not put a lot of stock in these polls, that, as we that saw might, back— That
0: might be the case, too.
1: —back in the 2016 election. Um, but in addition to impeachment, which um, he's had to deal with, do you think that it's going to come up in the debates? I mean, when, we, when we finally know who President Trump will debate, will that Democratic opponent bring that up, bring up the fact that they never had an opportunity to bring in witnesses?
0: So you're assuming there will be a Democratic nominee at some point?
1: <laughs> I, I actually <laughs> So as am. we
0: sit here— we don't know what the results are in Iowa, and the candidates have moved on to New Hampshire, and then they'll move on to Nevada and South Carolina. Uh, I, I, I just I think that it makes sense that if you are the Dem- whoever the Democratic nominee turns out to be, um, sure, you would you would want to raise uh, the uh, allegations that came out of the impeachment. It's basically corruption, that Trump is corrupt, that he cheated, that he uh, needed to shake down a foreign government to help with an investigation of Joe Biden. Um, especially if you're Joe Biden, you you know, you can, Biden has talked about this. And uh, if he's the nominee, uh, you have heard him saying Trump is apparently so worried about me that he had to go do this shakedown over in Ukraine. Uh, of course, if you're Joe Biden, that also um, brings up the thing Trump was looking for was, which is what's up with Hunter Biden, well, Joe did Biden's a son.
1: lawmaker actually come out and say, I might have been a California lawmaker, so that if Joe Biden is in office, he should be impeached because he did nothing with the Ukraine situation while VP.
0: Sure, Uh, and there I mean, there's no shortage of outlandish allegations or statements by uh, Republicans and Democrats alike here. So, uh, I would think that the Democratic nominee would really have to be doing intensive polling and focus groups and things like that to find out, will uh, impeachment and bringing up impeachment and Trump is the uh, well, I mean, he's not the only, he's not, he's the second, I guess he's the third president to be impeached and survive as president, right? Because there was Bill Clinton and then there was Andrew Johnson.
1: And right, um, that's right. And Nixon, of course, resigned before he could be
0: impeached. Yeah. So he didn't survive. So Nixon did not survive. Clinton did survive, and Trump has survived. So or will how, it how does this, on them? How does this what work? How does this work with voters? I right. mean, and again, it's not it's not how it works with all voters. You have to narrow this down. Are like there a
1: select group? Of yeah, swing the, sele- voters. the swing
0: voters in the swing states, which is going to be a a, a relatively small um, portion of voters.
1: Well, let's talk about those swing voters in those swing states because those are states that are affected by largely manufacturing, by the farm industry, and. All of the states are affected by the unemployment picture, and right now the unemployment picture is very, very good. Do those things offset at the time people are going into the into the polls? Is that going to offset impeachment and almost anything else that's happened during his presidency? Uh,
0: I it's a it's a great question. as we've we've discussed before? I, I mean I don't I just don't know. I, I mean um, this really matters because. Uh, if you're the Democrat, what do you campaign on? Um, and by the way, so the uh, without where looking do we sit like right you're now? just so it's trying to be such so February. Right. So basically, the elections in nine months. Will voters care about impeachment in nine months? Um, I mean, some of the, some voters don't care about it now. Um, a lot of those are Trump supporters. Um, but the, you know, again, the independents and the leaning one way or leaning the other way voters. Will they care? I think uh, one of the so we can we'll talk about the economy in a minute, but. Um, I think one of the biggest factors in the election is still going to be wild cards that could develop during the next nine months.
1: Okay, let's, let's break down some of what those so wild cards So we did a podcast
0: on some of those wild cards, and I think one of, the, one of those we identified is still as relevant as it was then, if not more so, which is John Bolton. So mm. we had this big uh, debate in Washington about should John Bolton testify. So for people who don't know the background, John Bolton has a book coming out. And we've known that's not news, we knew this is coming, but uh, according according to news reports from people who have seen a draft of the book, John Bolton does say Trump had direct knowledge and direct involvement of what was going on in Ukraine. And this undercuts one of Trump's defenses, which is there was never a witness with firsthand direct knowledge. Well, John Bolton, the former National Security Advisor, says he did have firsthand direct knowledge. And he wanted to be a witness. And now the White House. That's right. And he said he would testify if subpoenaed. And, of course, the Senate did not subpoena him. Uh, there are all kinds of questions about around this, like why doesn't the House subpoena him? They can they can subpoena him for any reason. I mean, they could easily come up with a reason. They may, and they may still do that. Maybe they didn't want to do that. Maybe while, there's your wild card. While, well, I think that's a wild card, no matter what. So the the White House is actually trying to kill this book, prevent it from being published. Um, that's a really interesting. I mean, if if it actually goes that far, so this, there's a legal battle over whether this book gets published. Um, I. Can't imagine that they, the government would actually be able to prevent the publisher from publishing this book. Well, I mean, does
1: that not smack uh, the sure. you know, freedom of speech amendment right in the face? Right. In and the, election the, and year. the claim
0: is going to be that it contains uh, classified information. Well, the counterclaim is very easy, which is well, it's not classified, and we can demonstrate that it's not classified. Um, the, this gets into gamesmanship. Like the, you can sort of classify information after the fact. You can take something that's not classified, and the president has classification authority, so he can so say, he can run, "Oh, I declare this classified." Right. Uh, um, and but then, then, how
1: does that play out with the, with with voters?
0: It you depends. Know, do they John say, Bo- "Well, then, what are you so afraid of?" So this fight doesn't matter. What it, the fight over John Bolton's book does not matter a whit to voters. If it gets published, and I'm going to say eighty-five percent likelihood this book gets published Um it's a i think it's a hundred percent likelihood it gets published i think it's eighty it's possible that if the uh, white house really tries to do this they could delay publication just through you know legal battles so uh... you because, you know, you go to court to block it, it takes time, then it has to be appealed and so forth. So I guess there's a chance they could delay the publication of this book. But but John Bolton could just come out and do an interview. All he has to do is stand in front of a podium and say what he knows. Um, so I think it's highly likely that whatever John Bolton has to say, he's going to say it. And then does that change anything? Um, again, when we're talking about 2% of voters, 3% of voters, if, if John Bolton says, I think President Trump is a crook, I think that would change things because he's a conservative uh, fixture um, he's never done anything favorable to Democrats on purpose. And if he really came out and condemned President Trump, sure, there could be some people saying, "Wow, that re- sounds really authoritative from a guy who ought to know." Maybe I should think about so that. So some when of those vote. swing
1: voters who might lean conservative and who might yes. lean Republican may actually I, lean the I other way. I think way. so.
0: Uh, then you have um, the the other problem for Democrats, which is they are always looking for some savior figure. And first, it was Michael Cohen, the president's lawyer, who t- turned on uh, President Trump. And they said, oh, Michael Cohen is going to bring President is going to bring Trump down. And he didn't. He incriminated him, but he didn't bring him down. Didn't really budge in the polls. Uh, then it was going to be Robert Mueller was going to bring Trump down. Uh, Robert Mueller didn't quite do that. Didn't Trump didn't really budge in the polls. And now you can see Democrats, like they have their savior fixation, is now shifted to John Bolton. Oh, John Bolton's going to bring Trump down. I feel it's going he to be really like Michael Cohen t- and Robert Mueller all over again, which is time. he could just at the, you know the final outcome, with John Bolton could be, he says something kind of wishy-washy that just reinforces what we already know without really punctuating it for voters. And you know, as we've discussed before, the thing that um, Democrats he just did like not seems like
1: a Teflon president. I mean, we've talked about this time and time again.
0: He does, but that doesn't mean he's going to get reelected. It means there's hasn't been enough anything severe enough to actually bounce him from office. but that reelect getting reelected, not is, even is impeachment, a different thing, and yeah. one
1: might think that's pretty severe,
0: you know what I think the Democrats just did not get out of impeachment. Um, they never got a crystallizing moment that was a video, it has to be a video, it has to be something that Democrats can play in campaign ads and things like that.
1: And on social media. That
0: just in whatever intangible way really crystallizes in voters' minds that this guy is a crook. Um, I think when you, I I went back and looked at the Nixon impeachment um, because I was interested, how did the economy, how was the economy doing anyway back during the Nixon impeachment, and could that play a fact have played a factor then, and could it be a playing a factor now? Uh, it it the, the economy back then actually had just entered a recession in the summer of 1974, or the first uh, half of 1974, and Nixon, of course, left in August of 1974. And the economy was actually doing fairly bad back then. But in the summer of 1974, before the Supreme Court said, Uh, The White House has to turn over these tapes. There was, you know, there was the big revelation that Nixon had been recording all these conversations, and then the tapes themselves were the thing that really incriminated Nixon, and that's uh, basically when he left. Um, Leading up to that, uh, the public was split about Nixon's impeachment much as it was split about Trump's impeachment. Um, So there were polls that showed... um, you know about an equal split among people who said yes, this is this is criminal, uh, and the president should be removed from office, and people said no, it's overblown. Uh, Washington should just get back to business as usual and stop with this impeachment stuff. So it's not as if there was this overwhelming um, public opinion that Nixon had to go. And the and the reason Nixon actually did, re- I mean, he fought impeachment the whole way, and the only reason he ul- he ultimately left office was when. Uh, Republicans on Capitol Hill said, uh, "You know what? We he was so the House did impeach him, and then Republicans said, you know what? You are losing the support of your party, and we cannot defend you uh, now that we know it was in these tapes mm-hmm. that have, that have just come so out.'" So you're
1: saying there wasn't a moment like that in the Trump impeachment? There
0: never was a moment that undercut Trump's support in the Republican Party. So we have seen, you know, we've we saw we've had some condemnations from people like Senator Lisa Murkowski and Lamar Alexander said, oh, he, he never should have done this, but I don't think it's impeachable. Uh, but they, they're not voting against him. Right. They're just verbally condemning him. And when the, in the cases where they're doing that, it's almost always, because I mean, Lamar Alexander's uh, not running for re-election, so I guess maybe you could say he's just speaking his mind. But most of what the senators in, uh, are saying about impeachment, whether it was during the trial or afterward, uh, it just in comments to the press or, or supporters or whoever. I mean, they're saying that for their local voters. Um, so they will say whatever they think their voters back home want to hear. So um, if, you know, if they know that their voters are kind of troubled in, you know, in wherever, Kentucky, Alaska, whatever, Tennessee, whatever your state, if they, if they know their voters are kind of troubled uh, by what Trump did, that's what they're going to sound like. Um, and if their voters are just with Trump all the way, that's what they're going to sound like. Um, but nothing ever cracked Trump's support on impeachment, which is say against impeachment in the Republican Party.
1: You know some of the other wild cards we've talked about in the past really aren't wild cards anymore. We had the Iran missile attacks that seems to have now.
0: Well died I, I, down. I would I'm going to disagree with that okay. because um, I don't think that's necessarily over. Um, we had the overt um, we took a shot. They took a shot. That played out according to script. Uh, a lot of Iran analysts uh, and people familiar with the region think that. And there, I don't want to say anything could happen. I shouldn't say that. But the Iran, Iran's not done, and what they may be planning something that is a covert attack. It could be a terrorist attack. It, it for sure would probably be something not immediately traceable to Iran. I mean, we've seen them do this before, um, so they might. Who knows? It could be targeting U.S. military assets in the Gulf. It could be some kind of attack on an embassy, nowhere near the Middle East. They've done that before, mm-hmm. um, so I don't think that's over. Um, and I don't, th- I don't, th- I think we need to be very vigilant about something there. But you're right in terms of the th- the uh, theatrics of that that played out in early January, I think it was. That has died down for now, yeah.
1: And certainly the trade war with China. We do have that Phase One trade deal, although it right. does have its critics, right? So it doesn't seem to be as Alarming as it was, just a few short weeks yes, ago. Yes, and,
0: and another thing about that. I mean, as that was, uh, as the two sides were negotiating that, I was thinking that, um, you know, that got finalized while the impeachment process was underway here.
1: In fact, the day they were having the vote in the House was the day that the president was signing right. the, uh, the the phase one trade deal. Very and a lot of the news optics, organizations. Right had a split screen up of the vote in the House and then President Trump touting this deal.
0: And I was thinking along the way that, and others were too, that the fact that Trump was going through this impeachment process here at home probably weakened his hand in, uh, in the negotiations because the other side, the Chinese, could see Uh, He's got a very weak position at home. I mean, he's kind of holding on to office by a thread Which he really was at the time. We didn't know what revelations were going to come out of the impeachment process And the ones that did come out were actually pretty damning You know
1: what? I think you just gave the Democrats a talking point in their next in their debate when they finally meet Trump
0: I'll have to give the Republicans one then too to (laughs) keep it even. to
1: To stay fair and balanced. Yes, absolutely. So so we then, still okay. don't
0: know, by the way, what is in the phase one trade deal. We know we've had the bullet points, but we still have not seen everything in there. And it's totally property. uncertain how it's going to play out. Right. and You're now, you're now hearing uh, administration people kind of say, well, it's going to be phased in all the, these giant purchases of... Uh, of agricultural, U.S. agricultural exports and other things. They're going to take a while, and now we have the coronavirus, which is really um, slowing down the Chinese economy for now. I mean, basically, they are put barriers. I mean, the, the whole country is almost quarantined yeah, in a way Can they even in terms buy of all of
1: the products, especially no, agricultural right. products they said they would? Right,
0: but Trump you know, has a deal. So, the, you know, as with so many things, will voters follow up and care about the details, or is it good enough for them that Trump said he made a deal and they'll buy it?
1: You know, I know you like Oxford Economics, and we have one of their latest. Well, they do good analysis, at. yeah. And one of them was that you know when you when you look at what v, what voters may be looking at as they head to the polls, the economy is not number one. In fact, I think healthcare is is at the top, if not number one. But on the point of the economy, given that we're Yahoo Finance, um, we have record unemployment, we have low inflation, we have an economy that continues to grow, although not gangbusters. Is that enough for victory or, according to this Oxford Economics report, does it really hinge on voter turnout?
0: Yeah. Oxford Economics is a forecasting firm. There are many others like them, such as Moody's Analytics and Capital Economics and others. And basically what they do is they have these models they and they look at re- election results from the past, com- combined with a bunch of economic in- indicators to figure out the correlations between the state of the economy and a president's reelection odds. So, what Oxford Econ? Ox, many of these forecasting firms have said uh, it, it actually looks pretty good for Trump based on what the models show. And you know, in plain English, when the economy is pretty good and a Republican of either part—excuse me, a president of either party—is trying to get reelected, normally he does. And it is always a he. We've never had a she president, so that pronoun is appropriate in that case. Um, So right now, we have decent economic growth. It's not great, but its last figure was 2.3% growth for 2020. Uh, The unemployment rate does remain at a 50-year low. And this all looks generally good for President Trump, according to historical models. But as we know, Trump is not a normal president. And because of these issues we're talking about, because of... Um, his divisiveness, because of his the way he polarizes voters, because of the scandals that we've seen in the administration, because of impeachment, um, Trump may need an additional edge. And so, um, Oxford Economics is saying, if every if this election goes the way prior elections have gone in general, yes, Trump will win re-election. But huge caveat: if uh, if there's strong or higher than average uh, Democratic turnout for whoever their nominee is. It doesn't look good for Trump. And here's what they say in their um, conclusion for for now. A modest rise in Democratic voter turnout would give the Democratic contender a large win. So they're saying, so so what counts is um, a rise in Democratic turnout. So so they're saying that uh, there was uh, pretty pretty strong Democratic turnout in 2004 and 2008. So based on those levels of voting, um, if that's the Democratic turnout in 2020, they're saying the Electoral College outcome is going to be 347 for the Democrat and just 191 for Trump. Hmm. That will be a, a walloping. Um, now it's going to happen. Who knows? Um, nine months to go. Think about all the things that could happen. More also, revelations about stuff Trump might have done. Or
1: a mild recession. Would we, a mild we still recession have time. We enough. do have
0: time right. for a mild recession to begin. Um, and when you, th- by the way, when you think about how recessions begin, um, you don't know it. When a recession starts, Sadly, you don't know it. You look at the
1: review and you go, "Oh, we're we in a recession." That's
0: right. You only know a recession started when you've got it went way later. Uh, I mean, it could be it take a year to realize. Oh, yeah, we actually had GDP growth declining in those two quarters, um, and it seems to fulfill what we think a recession looks like. But you do. But people kind of know something's not right. Um, So if you start to um, have layoffs, uh, and it's not—it's not just, to my mind, it's not just um, sort of a very a lower number in job gains for uh, for a given month. So you know, we've been averaging, I think, under Trump around 180,000 new jobs per month. That's a good number. It's a little bit lower than Obama. But that's probably because so many workers have been absorbed into the labor force. It's hard to find new people to hire. 180,000 new jobs a month is totally solid, perfectly fine. We'll keep the unemployment rate low for sure. But if you start to have layoffs above average, and people start to know there are layoffs, and they, um, you know, to my mind, one layoff has has a major multiplier effect because a lot of people know. Um, if it's somebody in your family, if your uncle got laid off, and uh, that you know the place where he works actually laid off ten people, wow! You haven't heard about that in a while. Um, mm-hmm. People are getting laid off, and you hear about a couple people getting laid off in different areas or different industries, and you start to think to yourself, "I better hunker down." Um, and it's th- a confidence you're, you're it, chipping away at confidence, yeah. consumer confidence. Yeah. Plus, you've got us in the media. We've been chirping about a recession for like the last four years. I. I'm guilty, uh, you know, along Although with others. Although I
1: can tell you, a lot of the economists I'm talking to on the shows, on our Yahoo Finance shows, say no recession in sight, uh, at least for 2020. Even with I the know. coronavirus threat. They
0: are. I mean, think about what happened last year. We had the yield curve inversion, which is t- not yeah. a 100% recession indicator but a, but a, indicator, but a pretty good indicator. And um, I mean, I have people writing in, you know, you chicken little, You why are you always saying there's going to be a Trump recession? I'm not always saying that, but I was... Talking about it last summer, like we all were, because uh, the economists were talking about it because this major indicator had shifted, and there were some other things going on at the time. Um, so it doesn't look like manufacturing we're manufacturing was in a recession. Yield cur- yes, that's right. Which and is a big part st- of Trump's It still is, actually. It so, is. It is. Um, and it's not a terrible recession. It's right. just by. It's kind of like what you would call a technical recession, mm. which is that. The data shows that it has been shrinking slightly. I mean, a lot of people working in manufacturing, they feel fine, Uh, they're, they're not seeing layoffs, they're, people are making money, they feel pretty secure in their jobs. But these things could turn, you know, it doesn't take a, it wouldn't take a huge turn, especially when we're only at 2, 2.3% economic growth.
1: Something we didn't talk about at all is Mike Bloomberg, who's not part of these four primary I uh, think we're going to be elections. talking more
0: about Mike Bloomberg. You think so? I also, do.
1: He's really going to jump in here, I guess, depending on the results of these uh, early races. He's planning to jump in on Super Tuesday in March.
0: Yeah, and that's where he's spending. So we're hearing about all this money he's spending. Uh, running ads and doing and building campaign staff, we haven't seen really many of those ads here in New York, except the occasional national one. But he's spending all that money in those uh, Super Tuesday states and some of the later states. Spent on the Super Bowl, as did the yes, Trump administration, right? Um, and that was a mere 11 million for him. He has already spent more than 200 million dollars. Um, I mean, I think I think Bloomberg is a wild card. Um, yep. So when we talk about what could change the nature of this race. Uh, And by the way, whatever the outcome in Iowa, so we're talking about this when we still don't know the outcome in Iowa, we will at some point. But the outcome, because it has been such a mess, the Iowa outcome matters a lot less than it would have if it had been a clean outcome on the night of the You could argue that
1: whoever doesn't do well in this Iowa caucus gets a pass.
0: You, You really could, and it does look as if that might be Joe Biden, but... It, Bloomberg gets the biggest boost of all because he blew off Iowa. He said, "I don't care about Iowa. I don't think it really matters that much." And I think he's turning out to have been right.
1: And Trump tweeted right away and called it a mitigated disaster.
0: Yeah, well, uh, so you could
1: say that Trump and Bloomberg were both were both uh, winners. So,
0: you know, all the candidates have moved on. Uh, nobody's in Iowa anymore except the people who had late flights out, or I guess there are a few poor people who have to f- hang around and find out what the actual results are. Make sure are. those results are accurate. <laughs> all the yeah. political people have moved on because y- you gotta, you got to move fast here. Um, and uh, I think if assuming all the other Democratic primary elections go smoothly, which they always pretty much always have in the past, um, I don't think this is going to matter in the election just an
1: embarrassing um, it's an av- splotch on the one The one way it might Party. matter,
0: um, and this actually is important, is there's been some modest pressure on Iowa from the parties and from various political operatives to um, end this um, weird caucus system where you have to show up at 7 p.m. and then you have to spend a few hours uh, standing in one corner for your candidate, then you go and stand in another corner if your candidate doesn't hit the threshold. And by the way, everybody knows who everybody's voting for. It's no, there's no secret ballot. There's been pr- some modest pressure on Iowa to end that system and just have a regular vote. And now that might actually happen. It seems. We'll like, just have
1: to see if they implement technology going forward because this round, even didn't if the seem te- to work even out. if the
0: technology worked perfectly, it's a weird system. Yeah, hardly anybody understands. A lot of people it. agree with you. Um, and it disenfranchises people. I mean, if you don't have three hours to go to a caucus, uh, I mean, you're, you're a working not mom.
1: I couldn't you, spend You three got nothing hours to do there? on Monday? Monday I'm,
0: night? I would much prefer
1: an app or to be able to do it on my phone. and.
0: Well, even if you just drop by.
1: Sure. I, mean, I can do that. mean,
0: almo- almost every place else, it literally takes five minutes to go in, yeah. vote, you know. No, it a is a process in, in
1: Iowa. And I think this may be the very beginning of them having to
0: so that could, that could that could be a very interesting takeaway from uh, the 2020 election when it's over but everyone's going to forget about Iowa until probably <laughs> probably you know mid 2023.
1: What do you mean mid 2023?
0: Everybody leaves Iowa, no one thinks about Iowa. I get uh, actually oh, I mean the
1: candidates. I yeah, <laughs> the
0: candidates. <laughs> okay.
1: I thought you meant America as a whole.
0: No, I do mean America <laughs> as a whole. Forget about Iowa. All it doesn't right, matter. Well, so actually, Iowa is a swing state, so Iowa does they, matter they in the absolutely general election. It, absolutely. Not a lot of votes, but it does matter.
1: Look, things are tenuous, I think, uh, we can say safely uh, throughout the next few months as we get closer to the election. Lots more to talk about. We'll continue the conversation, but for now, we're going to leave it there. Thank you all for joining us and for listening. Be sure to follow me at Alexis TV News And me
0: at Rick J. New.
1: And we'll see you next time.